Good morning. Well, today we come to uh, part two in our series on bodybuilding, uh, which is to say uh, building up the body of Christ, which is uh, St. Paul's name or title for the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and is also uh, the title of a book by that same name uh, written by a former seminary professor and now St. Andrew church member, Dr. Bruce uh, Hartung. And, and today's topic uh, takes me back to a memory that I have from my own uh, seminary education uh, when we were sitting in a class one afternoon in the Gospel of John. And uh, we were talking about John chapter 6, uh, where Jesus says that he's the bread of life. And we were having this discussion about whether that was about the institution of Holy Communion, with some insisting that it was and others insisting that it wasn't. And this debate was just going uh, back and forth and on and on until one of my classmates uh, raises his hand, stops to the discussion, and he says, you know, I'm listening to all this, and I got to say that I'm struggling more with my faith now that I'm in seminary than I ever did before I got here. Well, that hit with a thud. And so the professor who was teaching the course looks at this guy and he says, really? Try teaching here for 12 years. <laughs> you know, and in one way, that was just such a liberating and a gracious response because it reminds us that, you know, we're all kind of in the same boat. Uh, but it also reflected the words of a pastor uh, that Bruce quotes in his book who also said, I thought that seminary was going to be a great place to be a Christian, an easy place to be a Christian. And I actually found it to be just the opposite, more of a battleground than a refuge. As he went on to talk about his own spiritual struggles in relationship to his sense of call to ministry. And I remember sensing that myself uh, when I served uh, for six years as uh, vice president of our denomination, Southeastern District, and I had to chair uh, the candidacy committee for uh, seminary applicants, some of whom uh, came from very conflicted, uh, difficult, and, and occasionally even dysfunctional situations. And they had this idea that, that seminary was going to be this oasis of, of peace and harmony. And I hate to burst your bubble, but that is not always the case. In fact, if you really think about it, if you were the devil and you wanted to mess up the church and do it in a short amount of time, what better place to go to than a seminary campus where everybody wants to follow Jesus or help others to follow Jesus too? And so today we come to our next bodybuilding exercise, which has to do with what we refer to as spiritual warfare in the face of whatever struggles or battles that we encounter in life and what it means to fight the good fight of faith, as St. Paul puts it in 1 Timothy, and mindful of the words of St. Peter that you just heard a moment ago where he calls on all of us to be disciplined. In, a, in other translations, he says, uh, be self-controlled, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Now that is one graphic and kind of a scary image. And yet if the truth be known, it turns out that according to at least one fairly recent survey, the majority of American Christians, like almost two-thirds, like 65% of us, don't even believe in the devil. 
Although a lot of us will, you know, get dressed up in, you know, red tights and, you know, horns and a tail and plastic pitchfork for Halloween. And yet, the greater majority of us actually do believe in the power of evil, in the forces of evil in this world and our need to wage spiritual warfare, to fight the spiritual battles that we all experience sooner or later uh, in our lives, which takes me back to the words of the uh, late 19th century evangelist Dwight Moody, uh, who said, I believe in the devil for two reasons. One is that the Bible speaks of him, and the other is that I have done business with him. And so when Peter speaks of the devil, he describes him as a lion seeking someone to devour, prowling about, roaring. I just imagine what it would be like for you if you were down at the National Zoo on Connecticut Avenue and they made an announcement that a lion was on the loose. My guess is you would react rather quickly. You would respond immediately. I mean, you would protect the kids. You would seek out a, a place of shelter because you know how dangerous the lion is. The lion is the king of the jungle, the only one who has no predator. And so when Peter says that the devil is like a roaring lion, it's a big deal to him. He is sounding the alarm. And quite frankly, it was also a big deal to St. Paul who calls the church to respond by doing what? By putting on the whole armor of God. Remember that? Including, uh, in case you forgot, the belt of truth, the shoes of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which I preached about uh, not so long ago on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. But all those images, all those metaphors, all those similes are there to remind you and me that sooner or later, as I said, all of us are going to experience some sort of a spiritual battle that will confront us in our lives. And they can come up like that without a moment's notice. Sometimes in the context of, uh, you know, a, a personal hardship or a, a trial or a loss that we experience in life. Sometimes in the context of some decision-making that we have to make, sometimes in the context of a temptation uh, that we might experience in our lives or, or some sin or some act of disobedience to God uh, that we might uh, commit. And I've said this before, I'll say it again. Frankly, I don't think the devil really cares too much about any of that. I really don't think he cares too much about whether your marriage is falling apart or whether you've lost a loved one, or you've got a bad diagnosis, or you're in a, a conflict, or you've committed an act of disobedience and sin in your relationship with God. You know, I don't think he really cares about that in the sense that, you know, that's not his primary objective. Though all of those things are really just means to an end. What he wants to do is use all those things. He wants to work all those things in a way that gets you to walk away from God. To say, God doesn't love me anymore. God doesn't forgive me. He doesn't really care about my circumstance or my situation. Or as Bruce Hartung likes to say, I am not God's child 
totally. Why would he do that? Why would he go after you? Is it because he knows you're not that faithful? You're not that committed? He knows you've been disobedient, and so he knows you're a good catch, easy? I don't think so. I think he goes after you because you are the pinnacle of his creation, God's creation. And you are the object of God's grace and favor. And so when Peter talks about the devil as a roaring lion, he's sounding the alarm. When Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God and and comparing the elements of that arsenal with uh, the elements of a first century Roman soldier's uniform in a way that uh, would have captured the attention that certainly would have uh, helped his original readers to understand what he was talking about. He is sounding the alarm. He is calling us to fight the spiritual battles that we experience in our lives. But in his book, Building Up the Body of Christ, Bruce Hartung offers yet another equally biblical, equally powerful weapon in our arsenal. And that weapon is your church family. It is the beloved community. It is the body of Christ, which is to say the hands and feet and eyes and ears and voice and caring touch of Jesus Christ in this world and in a place where, according to Bruce Hartung in his book, Christians can come to be fed and nourished and encouraged and protected and challenged and loved. Where you can come with your struggles and with your battles, even the ones that happen to be of your own doing in addition to those that aren't, and to receive spiritual strength and support and encouragement in this community where we gather together, where we laugh together, we cry together, uh, we worship together, we confess together, we're forgiven together, we listen together, we commune together, we serve together, and we support each other through every bit of it, come what may. You know, I've lost uh, count of, you know, how many times in my life I've talked to somebody who has come through, you know, a time of spiritual struggle, a battle, a time of a trial in their lives, and they always say pretty much the same thing. You know, that was hard enough to do, even as a person of faith. I do not remotely know how I would have made it through without my church family, without the body of Christ in my life, and I am one of those people who gives thanks that while God never promised that you and I would escape the trials and the terrors of this life, did promise that he would be faithfully with us in the midst of it and in the midst of all things, and that he reveals his presence to us through what St. Paul calls the body of Christ, where I can go and I can be honest and I can be transparent and I can receive encouragement and forgiveness and grace and support. Because as St. Paul put it, when I am weak, then I am strong. Meaning that when I share 
my weakness and I divide it, that's when I begin to feel once again and experience the strength of God, the one who is greater in me than is greater uh, than is in this world. And so some of you, you know, have certainly spoken with me about your spiritual battles and the struggles that you've had in, in your own life. And, and most of you have heard me say, when this happens, it is not a time to go away or back off or stand down. That is a time to double down. Even if your battle is of your own doing, it is a time to double down on Christ and on the body of Christ which God has designed and placed here to help you get through your struggles and equip you for your victory in him. Because here's the thing. It turns out that there's another lion out there. There's another lion who happens to be bigger, better, stronger than the one St. Peter describes and this one is known as the Lion of Judah, which St. John describes and, and gives that title to none other than Jesus Christ, our Messiah. In the book of Revelation, when he says to the people of God and to the whole church in every place, weep no more, for the Lion of Judah has conquered all. And so, if Peter says that the devil is like a roaring lion, well, guess what? He's a second-rate lion. Because Jesus is the real lion of Judah. He's the king of the jungle. He's the predator who defeats the devil, even though life can still be a battleground. You remember the Lion King, right? You know, Broadway musical, Disney movie? There were two primary lions in that story. There was a bad one, whose name was Scar. But then there was a good one, whose name was Mufasa. And, and even though Mufasa dies fighting for the kingdom, his presence lives on, and it is so powerful, and it is so enduring, and it is so compelling that even after his own struggles and battles, his son is ultimately and finally able to claim his place as a child and heir of the king. And that is what you and I get to do. As the daughters and sons of God, as the sisters and brothers of Jesus, the Lion of Judah, the king of the jungle who lives in you <laughs> by his spirit so that even in your struggles and even when life does feel like a battleground we know that he has secured the victory for you and me at the beginning and the end of every day, and by his grace and in his spirit, we get to live that way. May God give you the grace to fight the good fight of faith as we give thanks for his presence and the blessing and strength that we know in the body of Christ. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.